0: Well, our series Beyond the Election has been put together with the intent of trying to help us prepare for when this election is held and whenever we find the results of that, that we realize that a good number of us, maybe even half as much of our country, will be upset and angry. So how do we stay together as a nation? So we want to share some very intentional messages that help us to heal the wounds that have fostered such hostility and polarization. And we want to call us as Christians that we are called to be a special people. We are people who are called to love our enemies. We're called to be a witness to a world that's often driven by fear and hate. And we live by the banner of love. The first week, Pastor Jill shared a message that remind us that at times we have no choice but to get involved with politics. It's how we make the world a better place. Jesus himself made some political statements by his actions as well as his words. She reminded us that on Palm Sunday when he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, that was a political statement because just across town, Caesar was riding in on a white horse, and Jesus was declaring that he was the Son of God and that Caesar was not. The next week we talked about the Jerusalem Council and how the early church had a major issue to come to grips with, whether to follow the Jewish law or not, fully and completely. They decided what was essential to the mission, was essential to the mission of the Christian Church, and decided what would be necessary to maintain that unity so the gospel could spread to all people throughout the Roman Empire. Then last week, the three pastors we shared the three simple rules of John Wesley which calls us to do no harm, to do good, and to stay in love with God. Today we're going to focus on the Jesus Priestly Prayer, or the Farewell Prayer, it's sometimes called, that you just heard. It was shared by Jesus during that last night with his disciples, before he'd go on to his crucifixion. Now, if we're to fully appreciate this prayer, we need to put it into its historical context and realize the setting And why it's so meaningful for us today. This prayer was for the disciples, but it's also was spoken for us. It was shared during Jesus last night. The night before he'd be crucified on the cross. This prayer is one of three written prayers throughout all of scripture that has Jesus speaking and recorded those words. Of course, you know the Lord's Prayer, right? We also know the prayer of Gethsemane, where he prayed that this cup of suffering would be taken from him. And then this prayer, the priestly prayer. Now, when you read through this, you have to admit when you read the whole 17th chapter of John, there's nothing remarkable that jumps out at at you. It's, It's nothing like the Lord's Prayer that has line after line after line that's so memorable and sticks with us. But this prayer was recorded because it was among the last words that Jesus shared with his disciples before he was so suddenly taken from them and then crucified on the cross. I and every pastor have been in these situations where you've been called by the family. Sometimes I've even been called by the individual who knew their death was nearing. And they sit down and go through the arrangements they'd like to have made for their funeral. Or maybe you've walked with a loved one through those last moments of their lives, either in the hospital or even at home, and they've shared those words that become memorable to you because of when they were shared and how important they were. Well, that's what these words mean to those disciples, and that's why they got recorded, and they're there for us today. That is what this farewell or priestly prayer was like for the disciples. They remember those words and cherish them often. And what is remarkable about this prayer is that of all the things that Jesus could have said as his last words, almost his last will and testament, he chose to focus on unity. Unity with the Spirit that God would send in place of Jesus and unity with one another. This full prayer in the 17th chapter Of John can be actually broken down into three parts. Verses 1 through 5, Jesus prays for himself so that he can endure what's about to come. Then verses 6 through 19, Jesus prays for the disciples, those immediate disciples right there. And then verses 20 to 26, which we heard today, he prays for all believers yet to come, which is you and me. But the prayer for all of these situations was for unity. Now, it's almost comical to think about the impossibility of this prayer. You look at the history of the Christian church. Right here in the United States alone, we have over 200 different denominations or or groups that identify themselves separately. On almost any issue, you can find Christians on opposite ends of the political spectrum. This message seems almost impossible right now in the midst of the political campaigns that we're involved in. But you know, it was no different the night that Jesus prayed this prayer. Just think about those disciples that were with Jesus during that time. You had Simon, who is considered a zealot. And zealots, we know, hated the Romans and anybody that worked for them. And you had Matthew that was known as a tax collector, described in one place. Do you think they got along real well, at least when they first started? Talk about opposite ends of the political spectrum. Or you could talk about Thomas and his skepticism. And then you had Peter who just seemed to have faith all the time. Imagine they had some interesting theological discussions. You had fishermen who were used to waiting all day to get a catch. And then you had Judas who tried to force Jesus' hand and force the revolution that he desired. And in this very bunch, Jesus is praying for unity. Now, did it work? Well, not completely. Judas went rogue and betrayed him. And yet, when Jesus returned as the risen Christ, he found them all together in the upper room. They knew enough. They remembered enough of Jesus' words that call for unity to stay together, to not just scatter. And it was together that Jesus came to them later the Jerusalem council which we talked about a couple weeks ago the church was able to pull themselves together and deal with its major issue of the time and resolve it and move forward for the purpose and importance of the mission the apostle paul speaks of this same unity that's created by christ to those church at corinth in the letters that he sent to them so there's a power in that call for unity But here's the thing. Jesus' prayer is impossible if it's appealing only to our own individual motives and interest. Jesus prays to God. He prays to God to create that unity. That same unity that Jesus has with God is what he calls upon. And that's the unity that can pull us together. When we're united with God through Jesus Christ, we are automatically one with one another, whether you like it or not. And the more that we attune ourselves to Christ, the tighter we become with one another. It's the natural outcome of living in Christ. I think the challenge comes back to what we talked about last week when we shared that simple rule of staying in love with God when we do that important work, when we, attain to, when we attend to the ordinances as John Wesley described it, when we worship just like we're gathering here and doing right now, it reminds us of that unity that we have with God and it brings a unity that we have with others and it causes us to see others as God sees them, as God's creation, as people with feelings and emotions, concerns, Instead of the labels that we so quickly attach as Republican or Democrat, liberal or conservative, progressive or whatever name we tend to lump people, when we choose to love like Jesus, we see people. People with those feelings and values. People with stories that need to be told and perspectives that need to be heard. Now recently, I responded to a social media post that was put out by a local organization. It was a poll. They were seeking some input for proposed initiatives. And I guess I wasn't in the best of moods, and so I responded to that and responded with a rather snarky comment. Now, you've never done that, have you, right? <laughs> and those of you at home, you can confess, put that in the comment section, okay? Okay. Well, I was surprised later when I received an email from someone in that organization that shared their frustration with me to share that in such a public manner. And I was concerned because I knew this person. I guess I just didn't think it made I didn't think my opinion mattered all that much. And I guess I thought since it was an organization that somehow I was forgetting there's people involved in that organization. So I quickly Mentioned that I would try to respond in a more constructive manner in the in the future. But then I slept on it. And when I woke up in the morning, I had a little better spiritual clarity. And all of a sudden, I woke up feeling that there's people in this organization whose feelings I had hurt because of my insensitivity. And so I sat down and wrote a more formal apology and didn't offer any excuses. I just said I would try to do better. Well, when... I let God's spirit in. God was able to help me see people as he sees them. I just wish I would do a little better job at praying before I make those posts. You know what I mean? So I encourage you to stay attuned with God, to maintain that unity with the spirit. And if we do so, especially before we act, before we speak, before we do we have a better chance of maintaining the unity that God desires for all creation. So as we prepare to endure the rest of this political season, may we take the time to experience our unity with Christ. Do our best to live into the unity that Christ prayed for on that night before he gave his life on our behalf.
1: Good morning, I'm Pastor Jill and I am glad to see all of you here this morning as well as those of you who are joining us online Hope that you are finding fellowship and experience of God in our worship today As I was doing some research on this wonderful text from John this past week I came across a commentary from 1992 The author was pointing out how the gifts of technology and news media have given humanity a new sense of unity and oneness that have allowed them to have this front row seat in what's happening in the world. They mention the dismantling of the Berlin Wall, for example, or the sense of shared anxiety and prayers over the events of the Gulf War and of the shared fascination of the systemic dismemberment of the Soviet Union. The world, the author says, participated in these events together with our national identities submerged in the unifying excitement of seeing it all unfold before our eyes. In the words of the bumper sticker philosophy, people were finally beginning to see and live into the concept of think globally, act locally. Remember those bumper stickers? You still see them around sometimes. Now, I had to stop reading the commentary for a moment and reflect in a moment of irony of how much things have changed since then. We are still watching the world unfold in a variety of ways together, that's true, but we do this through the eyes of our social media feeds and unreliable news sources that contradict one another. We watch not with hearts willing to be unified but with division on the forefront of our minds. Not just that, but this division is fed by the very thing that once had the ability to bring people together, technology and our media sources. The world that we knew in 1992 sure looks a lot different than it does today, although in some ways the same. The world that Jesus and his disciples knew at the time of Jesus' prayer for oneness also had its share of division, as Jerry pointed out. They had fear and brokenness as well. But how does it speak to us today in this pandemic-ridden, technology-obsessed, tension-filled election year of 2020? To be fair, the church itself has never really been one in the way that Jesus might have prayed for. Oneness has never been a quality that the church has been able to celebrate As we saw a few weeks ago the early church had its fair share of disagreements And instances of division and separation In the first few hundred years the church became churches Over issues of theology and doctrine eventually resulting in denominations Obsessed with establishing their differences rather than their similarities it's possible that our greatest challenge has been distinguishing Jesus' prayer for oneness from our own understanding of hegemony. I like this word. It's fun. Hegemony. Now, this this word refers to a situation where only one way of thinking or seeing is allowed or accepted. Now, just last month, we were challenged in our Be the Bridge series to get beyond a hegemonious view of the world and begin to see the world through the eyes of our brothers and sisters of color. We were made aware that many of our history lessons in school were skewed with the experience of Western white males, for example. Our textbooks usually did not include African American history, women's history, Eastern civilizations, or Native American history, just to name a few. So in order to become bridge builders, we were challenged to hear and know stories about people with differing cultures and worldviews from that of our own. We are challenged daily now not to try to assimilate someone to what we look like or how we talk or what we believe, but to embrace people for who they are and to meet people where they are. In this powerful prayer of Jesus, He did not pray for us to come to establish the hegemony of the church. That's not what he prayed for. This prayer is in no way a hope that we will all be one in the ways that we look or talk or think or live. Jesus did, however, pray that we would become a community united by love. In today's world, we are taught to look out for number one, right? That being the self, ourselves but the church in contrast is to recognize that its purpose is to establish one humanity. This involves a deep recognition of the spiritual oneness shared in all of humanity. This is a call to recognize the divine spark in each person. Christ's gift and hope is unification, not hegemony it is a time that we stopped trying to make people just like we are and start encouraging them to be just as god made them we must celebrate differences not just sameness now this is not an easy thing to do right now every social media post or news story is begging every one of us to come to their side or tries to tell you that if you believe this certain thing then you must be this certain way. Now, if you're watching online, you might agree with that, especially as you might be looking at your social media feed right now, thinking, yeah, that happens. <laughs> Our identities are so wrapped up in these oftentimes extreme ideologies that we have lost the ability to see the other person for who they really are. A human being becomes a label or an assumption, or a judgment based on very little information. How can I even try to be one with that person when everything I see or read tells me that I should hate them and fight against them, we might ask ourselves. But Jesus prays for a different way. We stand at a very important moment now in the life of the church, right here in this crazy world we have an opportunity to say no more. We may be a people who believe different things about the world. We may be a people who vote differently on election day. We may be people who disagree from time to time about any number of issues or theological beliefs, but we can choose to stand in love, not division, not contention, not in defensiveness, but in love we can choose to celebrate our differences rather than become bitter we can choose to meet people where they are rather than try to change them we can be a safe place from the world out there that is choosing to let division and brokenness win friends in this election season with jesus as our rock and our cornerstone I believe that we, too, have a chance to show the world a different way. So may we go forth as living reminders of Jesus' prayer, that we may be one, one in hope, one in spirit, and one in love for all of creation. Amen.